Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Yes, ahlan wa sahlan. welcome to the second hour of Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Now, grab a smooth, rich cup of coffee because we're about to take a ride with multi-award-winning African jazz sensation Somi. You're about to meet the incredible singer, writer and producer dubbed the new Nina Simone. Here she is with Ginger Me Slowly.
of Sharjah. Pulse 95. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. Yeah, take it easy. Slow down. We are meeting Somi today. She is at the African American Jazz Sensation who has created a new lush and transcendent sound dubbed New African Jazz. She was here as part of the star-studded concert series for the opening of the Africa Hall and Africa Institute in Sharjah last month. I sat down with her and spoke to her about her latest critically acclaimed album, Petite Afrique, and inspired by Harlem's uh, vibrant West African communities and the legendary mentors who have shaped her sound, including the late, great, Hugh Masakela. I started by asking her where her deep passion for music comes from and sh- how she developed her own unique sound. Welcome to Sharjah. Thank you. We're so excited to see you performing tonight. But for you, your sound is just absolutely gorgeous. It's just so lush and rich and I don't know what the word is, but for me, it just felt like transcendent. It just was kind of beyond music because you you have such a story to tell as well at the at the same time tell us about where your love of music came from Uh, my love of music probably came from my mother and my father um is i mean neither of whom are are professional musicians but i think um they always loved music and loved my and, and it encouraged my exploration of the arts my mother is a has a beautiful voice, and so my earliest memories of song are really probably before I knew what memory was. So I, my whole life, I kind of grew up with her singing around me, and so I think she really inspired a love of song, a love of of, of music. But really, as a keeper of song, I would give that to my mother. But uh, the arts and, and music generally, my, my both of my parents. You kind of you started this sound. You developed this sound called New African Jazz. Mm. This is the, what you called it or what others called it when they heard your sound. Tell us about how you developed your voice. You developed uh, this sound that is so specific to you. Well, you know, I think I've had a lot of wonderful teachers in terms of developing my voice. I think I've, had, I've been fortunate to, to cross paths with a number of, of, of vocalists and masters and instrumentalists and who have all imparted some knowledge and really, and even my own band, so most of whom are, well, who are here with me in Sharjah and um, most of whom I've played with for several years now. And they've all taught me about risk taking, about, you know, standing inside of everything that I am. And I think when I first began my journey, I was very concerned with, well, will they understand if I sing in another language? Will they accept me if I privilege African rhythms and influences? And um, But really what I've decided to lean into is that tension between what is African and what is Western, because I'm both of those things and all of those things and, and sometimes none of those things. <laughs> so exactly. it's wonderful to to just um, allow myself to to kind of lean into that and, and, and let it be a, an expression of freedom and, and truth-telling more than anything else. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons I love jazz and, and what that genre and space has made for me. I didn't set out to be a jazz vocalist, 
um, in any way, but I'm often called that. I don't, I'm not the type who just sings standards and when I'm a songwriter, a storyteller more than anything, but jazz is, the, is one of the genres in it that, that I, I am often pulling from mostly because it is that genre that asks of everyone on the bandstand to improvise and to be themselves, to like let their voice be out front for some time. And, and at the show tonight, you'll hear instrumentalists take solos and I can really hear their voice too. And it feels like this wonderful kind of musical metaphor for my social and cultural experience of being in a room of multiple voices and multiple experiences, and but then finding a way to kind of come together. And so that's been very liberating for me. Um, and I think that's where the new African jazz kind of process and idea and, 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 and kind of style or sound comes from, right? This idea that there's an African experience in there, but it's perhaps new, it's different from what people usually assume of an African identity, an African kind of point of view um, and cultural expression. Um, and then, as I said, with jazz, it's, it's, it's hopefully all of that heritage and legacy yeah. and, and um, kind of cosmopolitanism with a, with a, a freedom inside of it. Coming up next, Somi takes us on a journey inside New York's Harlem, exploding with the colourful African communities that make up Petite Afrique and the inspiration behind her latest groundbreaking album. That's next on Life Beats with me, Sally Musa, on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. What a story to tell. Ours lost the fire within. I've slipped with my hardened hand wide open. Now the then I couldn't remember till now. But it tastes just like yesterday. Come down and sweep over my bed, sweet. seems faster knows the future couldn't dream of till now but it tastes just like yesterday Yeah. 
Life Beats, Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, welcome back to Life Beats with me on Pulse95. Now, I'm in conversation with Somi, who was here as part of the star-studded concert series for the opening of the Africa Hall and Africa Institute in Sharjah late last month. Amongst uh, those who were there uh, were Lisa Simone, Nina Simone's daughter. Uh, Yusundur was here. Mulatu Astatke, who is a legend uh, when it comes to jazz, and he is the father of Ethio Jazz. We will be hearing from him as well here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. I spoke to him as well. Inspirational. Absolutely amazing. Uh, but something else that I asked so me about was the inspiration behind her latest critically acclaimed album, Petite Afrique. Last year, you released your album Petite Afrique. Mm-hmm. Um, which really speaks to what you're talking about now, that sense of identity, belonging and home. And, mm-hmm. and this is what you were exploring um, in, in the West African immigrant community in Harlem. Tell us more about that. Sure. So, you know, I've been living in Harlem for about 10 years. I live in New York City. Harlem is in northern Manhattan, um, just above Central Park, literally from 110th onward. Um, and so I've lived in that area, and, and, and obviously most people know Harlem for its incredible contribution to the arts, especially from as a as a very important black neighborhood in the in the world, right? And but specifically for its contribution to the arts, philosophy, you know, social justice, um, literature, so many things. Um, and and I think it's wonderful to be close to that. Obviously, everybody knows about the history of jazz, the in, Apollo in Harlem, the Apollo Theater, yes, yeah. all of that. Um, but oftentimes, but one of, that was one of the reasons that I moved to Harlem when I was deciding where I wanted to live in New York. But I also really was comforted by this long-standing, large um, African immigrant community um, that have been there for about 40 years. They're predominantly West African, predominantly Francophone, predominantly Muslim. And I just, when I got there, I felt a sense of, of home. You know, New York City has, the, it, as large as it is, there's also an anonymity that can kind of overcome you when you're walking through the streets. Um, no matter how long you've lived there. Um, and so something about always being somewhere that reminded me of the African immigrant experience that I had grown up in, a very different one. I grew up in like a college town in Illinois. and It was very, very different from working class, urban, as I said, you know, West African Francophone Muslim community. It's very com- it's completely different in many ways, but also completely the same in so many other ways. Um, and so it was comforting to walk down the street and you know see these African women walking around and everybody like beautifully dressed and the mosque and everybody's outside and you know for for like Eid and they're like the colors the street explodes in color and you just see all of these African people everywhere and it ri- reminded me of of you know of being home you know on the continent and with my family wherever they might be either in the west or or back home Um, and so that was comforting for me and so i kept thinking about who is telling their story you know because tip like most immigrants you show up in a space and even if you're naturalized even if you have american children you're going to keep your head down and just work hard and do you know and just kind of not get out like keep quiet not you don't want to be in trouble yeah so <laughs> it's amazing how for immigrants yeah. this is their first consideration. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Rather than how am I going to make this mine? How am I going to exactly. thrive here? How am I going to mm-hmm. show my colors? Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was I was seeing that there's this 
kind of dignity and humility about most Afri- most immigrant communities, no matter where they're from. Um, and I just was like, well, who's actually archiving their story? And I and it was very hard to find a lot of information about them. So I just honestly decided to write a song cycle that was honoring their story, especially as Harlem was beginning to be gentrified. Um, it has become very gentrified, and, and uh, from a time when I first moved there, it wasn't necessarily like the, the most, let's say, savory neighborhood to choose, you know. Um, but I loved the history, the culture, and all the people who were there, you know. And but now it's it's become more and more gentrified, and so a lot of people from the, that community are being pushed out. And I kept thinking about what is it to choose a place away from home, have to reconstruct home, community, identity, family, sense of belonging, and then have that disrupted again 40 years later in a city like New York and find yourself pushed out to the Bronx or pushed out to New Jersey or wherever it is, and suddenly that whole sense of family is disrupted again. And I'm assuming for most people who are well into their years, right? Um, Because like I said, this community has been there for about 40 years. so that really was like, you know, let me just write. It was really a meditation on their experience. And then, you know, I began this work and this writing before I knew who would end up in the White House and who would become such an affront to immigrants, to Muslims, to black people, to so many people who are um, being ostracized right now, you know, and, and being othered. And so it really was, in some ways, you know, tragically uh, good timing, but in other ways it empowered me and I'm really thankful for being able to speak truth to power, to hold space for immigrants, for Muslims, for black people, for women, for so many people um, that are are under attack right now in in the West in general, specifically the United States. Um, And so (laughs) what better uh, kind of neighborhood to kind of use as a point of a focal point to be this larger metaphor for what's happening in the world so petite afrique is 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 that's what that is it's called petite afrique because as i said it's predominantly francophone but that particular quarter in harlem is called petite afrique as well little africa it is certainly an incredible album that has touched uh, many more than just african communities who listen to it uh coming up next I'm going to be asking Somi about those artists who are her biggest inspirations, including the late, great Hugh Masekela and what it was like to be mentored by him. It's Life Beats with me, Sally Musa on Pulse95. No more said that's not what their good money's for. Gentry came, oh, gentry came. Gentry came, now I might lose my home. I never saw that I've ever I want it back. 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 I want it back.
play drums no more. Said they know what their good money's for. Charger. Pulse 95. Keeping it local all day, every day. Life beats. Life beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95.
Welcome back to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. I'm speaking to African-American jazz sensation Somi, who created a new lush and transcendent sound dubbed New African Jazz. She was here as part of the star-studded concert series for the opening of the Africa Hall and Africa Institute in Sharjah. She told me how everyone who listens to her new album Petite Afrique can relate to it and revealed her biggest inspirations, including as you're listening to now, the legendary mentors who helped her discover her unique sound that draws on her American culture and her African roots, including the late, great Hugh Masekela. I'm a first-generation Iraqi immigrant to Australia. Mm. Um, so and for me, the themes really resonated mm. and how I feel, you know, how I felt growing up at times and, mm. and trying to fit in but also trying to find who I was and mm. and and yeah so for me I just I love I love what you've done there thank you because it speaks to me and I think it speaks to a lot of other people who are not African sure absolutely which is a wonderful thing it's been a wonderful discovery even just to show up in Paris or whatever and it's not even just people of color it's not even just Muslims it's not it's like a white person from France from wherever can show up and say there's a, a humanity that I'm connecting to in the stories that I, I I think you're trying to tell me. And so that's been quite wonderful to to then open up these other conversations and to disarm each other's hearts as people. You've got a lot of Muslim um, uh, references mm. in your music. You know, the call to prayer makes an appearance and um, there are lots of bits and pieces that are in there as well. Well, for me, I wanted to... A lot of what you're hearing in there, the interludes are from field recordings in, in Harlem. Right, wow. and so I really wanted to bring in the sound, the the, the kind of sonic uh, aesthetic and tap the, the the texture of what it is to walk the streets of Harlem on 116th Street through Petit Afrique. Um, so that's mostly what what you are hearing. Um, a lot of those songs were inspired by interviews I did with um, taxi cab drivers from the neighborhood, um, just sort of backseat, like, hey, tell me what <laughs> what do you think about Harlem then when you came, <laughs> what it is now, how you're feeling. Um, what so, kind of things did they tell you? What are what are the surprising things? The surprising things that they tell you? Well, the surprising things are are the things that we assume as I think part being part of the community in some way. The surprise, but but we never say out loud, right? And so I think Give me one an of the things one of the things that was was interesting for myself was that you know here I was like oh I'm here in this African community I'm a part of it that's why I'm here but I realized there's partly a class issue that plays out that there was so much I didn't know and there were so many places I might have walked by every day and never even stepped into that I was then able to discover even more about the community um, and that was really quite amazing um, but then also like I think even if they see me as like a quote-unquote American African girl <laughs> um, they still felt safe with telling me things so even there's a there's a moment on there there's an interlude called go back to Africa and for me, that particular conversation was interesting because he said, we changed Harlem, you know, because right now there's this whole thing about Harlem changing. It's new. It's very hot and real estate and the value of things has skyrocketed. And it's like, you know, rent is insane and buying a place is, is millions of dollars. So they were like, we made Harlem. You know, we were the ones who went and made shops and opened things and lived in apartment buildings that were terrible and like and that's because they felt like that's what they those were their options as as immigrants and they just were like we're going to make the best of what we're given and what we have and he said 
you never saw white people walking through Harlem at that time. And now they're coming and doing, but it was this kind of ownership of bringing a certain type of entrepreneurial spirit back to the neighborhood. I mean, Harlem has always been wonderful, great, but it had its darker days through drugs and gang moments, but not all of it, but a, a, a large part of it, especially this particular area. And so but they made it beautiful. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. And, and actually, not that they made it beautiful, but that they still believed in Harlem at a time when, when no one in the like, you know, in of power, quote unquote, actually saw the potential of Harlem. Was interested in investing in Harlem. They're like, we he, we came and opened shops. We came in and and did this work um, and to make it what it is today. So there's a real ownership in that, which I, which was quite surprising to hear out loud. But it was something that you would see, and not even not even just African immigrants, but like mostly the people who are business owners in Harlem. And I'm not. This isn't to say that there weren't any African American business owners, because there definitely were, and are. Um, but just to in terms of like the new businesses that kind of were coming into the neighborhood, it was it was the immigrant communities doing that. Um, and so it was interesting to hear that out loud in a safe space. It was also interesting to, to hear them talk about their struggles and coming here, intra-racial tension um, between you know Africans and African-Americans. That's also a conversation that's quite taboo and never talked about openly out loud. Um, and so it was interesting to hear people of a certain age reflect on that and how that made them feel. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, and so, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was humbling. I just want to ask you, who are the people that inspire you? Who are the artists that you listen to? Who are the people who inspire me? Um, the first people who come to mind are my parents. Um, yeah, because they just did so much and gave me so much and sacrificed so much. And so I can never think of anybody before them. Other artists who inspire me, I was mentored by uh, the great Hugh Masekela, who recently passed. Wow. Um, what was that like? Um, well, he was so generous I would like to say is I pause on was because not only because it was so recent that he passed but also because I think that he is still present um, such a generous spirit um, and so fiercely proud of being an African voice in the world and having such a rich culture to to pull from you know he often talked about you know people say well how did you come up with this sound or how did you get to this thing and for him it was like i have so much culture to reach to pull from to gather from and just to try to put it out there so it's not even he you know saw himself as as, as a working man and somebody who was really a conduit of that cultural information and and heritage um, so, and he also really taught me about global citizenship and encouraged me to take certain types of risks and reminded myself that like whenever I'd be like, well, but what about New York? I mean, if I leave, when will I be? I went to Lagos, Nigeria for some time and he was like, and I was like, yeah, but what about New York? And he was like, but New York's always going to be there. New York's always New York. And, and he was right. And he said this thing to me about, you know, we can show up in any part of the world. And even if you don't know your audience yet, you should know that they are there for you. Right. Because that's the 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 precursor to being a musician is that or the thing that accompanies being a musician is global citizenship right so he really reminded me of that and and, and i've stayed with that idea for a very long time and that i know that i can kind of show up in a place and we can discover each other um and uh i'm thankful for that so yeah he he's uh definitely 
one of the, the most, the, one of the people who most impacted my, my journey as an artist and really took an interest in what I had to say and, and, and really helped me kind of feel stronger in who I am. Um, and there's a range of, of other people who greatly inspire me, Nina Simone, Miriam Makeba, Sarah Vaughn, you know, I mean, the list is long. <laughs> I mean, so many people, yes. like, I mean, so, but my, my top would be Huma Zakela, Nina Simone, Mary McCabe, I would say. Coming up next, find out which legendary jazz artist who also performed at Sharjah's Africa Hall opening concert series asked her to collaborate, collaborate with him. It was an incredible moment. Uh, we were all so, so taken by that performance. Unbelievable. We're going to reveal who that is next here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. My skin is black My forehead low My heart is woolly too My back is strong Strong enough to carry on after genocide and all my family gone. What do they call me? My name is Good Sinzi.
the heart of Sharjah. From the heart of Sharjah. From the heart of Sharjah. Pulse 95. Something to talk about. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, I'm Sally Musa, and it is Life Beats here on Pulse 95. And I'm continuing my conversation with African American jazz sensation Somi. Uh, and she tells me which legendary jazz artist who also performed at Sharjah's Africa Hall opening concert series asked her to collaborate with him. It was a real moment uh, of excitement for her and for all of us who saw him perform. I was at the uh, Malaja concert as well, oh. the Malaja Staff Care concert. And that was incredible. Mind-blowing. <laughs> it was mind-blowing. It was actually mind-blowing. I am still so full from his performance. I had never seen him live. <laughs> and I... I um, I love his music. I've loved his music for a long time, but to see him live and so strong and so, and it's that thing that I was talking about with Uncle Hugh, where you, there's all of this cultural information to pull from and you can always kind of stand in that. Even if you're exploring other genres, idioms, musical languages, like he gave me so much strength and so much inspiration to do so much in my own work and also to do so much for young people on the continent. I mean, yes. We're so I, passionate I, about that. Oh my goodness. You know, just, it's, it's extraordinary. I, I got to speak to him before the concert and I'm just amazed by how, I kept asking him the same question, who inspires you? He's like the Bush people, exactly. inspire me. And his whole life mission is to bring, you know, indigenous African people out and to tell the world this is where it all comes from. Yeah, it's, um, and actually, anyway, there's a whole other conversation <laughs> that could happen, but yeah, I, I was so full, so, I, I am still so inspired and so moved by that performance. It I, was incredible. And then to see the joy that he had on stage, he was so he was enjoying the music so much and he was just happy you know it was just this this um contentment that seemed to be about him within him radiating from him like and i was like what a blessing yeah incredible to get to that point at that age in your life and have the still have the tenacity the vigor the vision the mind to to share in such a generous way in, in such a fierce way too it was incredible <laughs> it just it, he doesn't look like he's about to stop anytime no. soon at all which is amazing but I know you met him afterwards and I think he said to you we should collaborate <laughs> yes he did <laughs> he was so excited I was East African as well so <laughs> could we be seeing something between I would so love me? that I'm just like praying for that yes I, I, I would love that I'm I mean so, we'll see what happens we're so excited I hope it happens I hope it does what's too. next for you What's next for me? I'm heading back to New York on Monday, um, and I start a small tour in the Midwest and also in New York. Um, I have a show there as well. So after that, then I'm back in Europe. About well, then I actually back in the Middle East. I come to Lebanon um, for about a week. I've been writing a play um, for the last three years. I've been developing it and a play. Uh, okay, mm -hmm. it's a play actually about Mary Makeva. And uh, so I'll be doing a reading at a, a theater festival that Sundance is, is producing there in Lebanon. Um, so I'll be there for about a week and then I have 
three weeks of, of touring in Europe and then it's then that's then I'll have a bit of a break. Thank you okay. so much. Thank you so for much for this time and thank you for coming to Sharjah and thank being you. here and being part of you know that the incredible lineup of concerts. It's been so wonderful and it really really is so heartwarming to know that not only because there's this kind of you know interest in African identity African all things Africa right now right like it's kind of in vogue you know and it's wonderful to know that this was has been here I mean I know that it, it was torn down and it's being rebuilt but to know that there was that interest here um, prior to this kind of moment, this cultural moment where people are beginning to take the African continent and the artists there more seriously. Um, it really is quite heartwarming that that, that commitment to Afro-Arab connections exchange was here and they were telling me about the conference um, so that the Sheikh helped, in, I think in the 70s? Yes, um, So that, that, that's really, when it was established. Yeah, it's incredible. So I feel so yeah. honored to be a part yeah. of this moment and to kind of you know, just to, to bring some energy back into that, that purpose and initiative. It's really quite an honor. So thank you to everyone for having me. Thank you for having me. An incredible artist, an incredible voice. Uh, but uh, that's it uh, for my interview with Somi. Uh, don't forget, if you missed any part of the show, it will be up on our podcast page on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Check out Life Beats there. And if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do it by emailing lifebeats uh, at smc.ae. We'd love to hear what you think of the show and any ideas uh, that you have for topics that you want to hear from us. Tomorrow, we're going to be taking you on a special black and white dinner where French chocolate and cream make an appearance in every dish across five courses. Don't miss it. I'm Sally Musa. This is Live Beats on Pulse 95. <laughs>
You're listening to Pulse 95. Keeping it local, all day, every day.